When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know. It. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Hello, I'm just popping in to say that there's no regular Fallacious Trump episode this week because like the Labour councillor, working man's hero, man of the people he is, Mark is off in his second home on the continent. So, <laughs> sorry, Mark. So uh, we thought you might like instead to hear an interview that we recently did on the Undercurrent Stories podcast with Bob Wells. Uh, Bob interviews all kinds of interesting people on his podcast, from authors to sports people to musicians to, uh, in fact, most recent episode is uh, one that I think Mark would be interested in because it's about an American journalist who's talking about New York hardcore punk. So all kinds of different people with different interests about just fascinating topics. So if you like this interview and you want to hear more from Bob and the people he talks to, go to undercurrentstories.com and you can find out more about him there. But in the meantime, here is the interview that we did a couple of weeks ago now on logical fallacies. And we'll be back next week with our regular fallacious Trump episode. Hi, this is Bob Wells here and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. I hope you enjoy today's show. In today's show, we're going to talk about logical fallacies, and I'm delighted to be joined by two of the world's leading experts on this subject. Jim Cliff and Mark Levermore host a very popular podcast, Fallacious Trump. Each episode focuses on a single logical fallacy, and using examples from the former president, Donald Trump, UK politics and pop culture, the show explores how and why it fools people, how to avoid committing yourself, and how to counter it in an argument. As a listener of the podcast myself, I would thoroughly recommend checking it out, as it's not only educational, but the two hosts bring the whole subject of logical fallacies alive with a fantastic sense of humour. Hello and welcome to The Undercurrent Stories, Jim and Mark. Thank you very much. That's Thank very you, Bob. Kind. Yeah, very, very kind. I think it's possibly excessively kind. <laughs> well, you know, I thought I'd start off on a good note. You yeah. Know, uh-huh. keep, keep you guys happy. Hyperbole, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 Good. Well, maybe we are. Who knows? Well, yeah, absolutely. How do you measure these things? Well, you know, this why is not it. use a hyperbole? I mean, what I would say, actually, given that we've been going for five years, I think we probably are the longest running podcast about logical fallacies. Oh, well, there you go. Exists. So. In, in a probably you the can best make that in the argument. world kind of way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't really found too many others. I've had lots of serious ones um, or episodes of, but are there any other podcasts that are totally uh, on, on logical fallacies? To, to that? There's been a few that have kind of gone through a, a number of fallacies and, and explained what they mm. are. Yeah. And there's yeah. there's other shows like Stuff You Should Know, I think, that did a series on 
uh, on logical fallacies for a few months and stuff like okay. that. But I don't, I don't, th- yeah. I mean, there's certainly none that have been going as long as we no. have all kind of focused on it as yeah. intensely yeah. as we have. And I think our, and our kind of foc- focal point that's been the, the thing, the logical fallacies, obviously, but the, the fact that it's, it's Trump derived is the, uh, is the, the, the bit that's got to run through it for the longest. That's given yeah. us, that's our hook. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk about the show in a bit more detail later on, please. But in the meantime, um, before we talk about logical fallacies, can you just, each of you, just tell us a bit about yourselves and, you know, what your life's journey was like and how you became involved in the show? Wow. Who's going to go first? Uh, I'll go first, if you like. Well, um, Jim and I met at, when we used to work at, can we mention Channel 5? Um, I think we can, yeah. In uh, in Common Garden. Other TV channels are available. available. Um, other terrestrial TV channels are available. Is it still terrestrial? No, not solely. Um, we, we met there and did plays. Jim directed a play that I was in and then oh, we yeah. made a film together and because I'd kind of done sort of acting and filmmaking and all that kind of stuff as well as philosophy at college, I made films at college. Um and then we just sort of did that and then went off and did separate things like, fa- oh, you're having a family. Oh, yeah, <laughs> as, you, as you do. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> and then came around and then I got a phone call from Jim um, who had said, oh, yeah, I've, ri- I've written this book. Um, do you fancy doing a podcast about it? And I went, yeah, all right. Not having spoken to him for years. But <laughs> went, yeah, that sounds good. And it is the it's the best fun you can have in your own yeah. living room. Yeah. It yeah. certainly sounds like you guys have fun when you do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you got into it. Yeah. So it yeah. kind of – so doing the podcast thing, it's just it's just another branch of performing because I also play in the band. So the music in the in our podcast is provided by The Outbursts, which is the band that I'm the drummer for. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, which is just another excuse for dressing up and showing off, really. <laughs> And yeah. and this is kind of the the podcast, I guess, is a, stra- a slightly more intellectually based strand of doing that. Yeah, so, so I mean, up and showing off. So the, the band and the podcast is is all about an outlet of your creativity, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yes, great. that and oh, and and because my day job is to make films, I make films for international charities about work that they're doing to transform lives around the world. So I. Um, uh, uh, filmmaker, so a shooter, an editor, a producer, all that kind of stuff. So it's a yeah. So that's a kind of creative thing, isn't it? What they say: if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's not true. <laughs> Most <laughs> of the hard work, yeah. Yeah, it's hard work. <laughs> and often we work days and nights on end, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. and actually, a gym does the same. Is that is that? Not true? Yeah, I mean, I I do. Uh, well, I've worked in corporate film for years uh now i mostly do editing and um yeah i mean it's again it's a creative outlet because i i have been making films for years and and doing uh, i write as well and i don't do any music stuff like mark does but yeah this this is just kind of another another outlet another way of telling stories really yeah that's mm. what it's all about yes yeah and and poking fun and um letting out your frustrations with current British politics yes <laughs> or the yes. current political issues of the day yeah, yeah. so it's, it's it's also actually I was talking about that to somebody who who was saying oh yeah I really like your show but how do you manage to deal with 
British politics, I find I'm shouting at the radio about the things that you're saying. And uh, radio? <laughs> Showing your listen, age, Mark. They listen on the <laughs> gramophone. On the wireless. Yeah, the wireless. <laughs> on the wireless. Yeah, the Baker Light wireless. Gram, that big yeah. piece of furniture in the corner. Um, and they were saying, how, how does it not drive you mad? And and I think actually the 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 way that the the podcast is set up, it's a lens through which you can comedically peruse the week's events in politics without going quite quite mad. Um, you just get a little bit a little bit mad. But yeah. I have always been interested in film and TV. Um, always kind of wanted to work in that area. As Mark said, we met at at Channel 5. Um, yeah. And I, after that, I uh, worked for the British Board of Film Classification as an examiner, classifying films for for eight years, I think. Um, right. And and since then have been making videos essentially for, for companies, uh, events, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, working at, yeah, as a video producer. And I'm now in, in kind of editing for TV. So it's... Yeah, it's all that same kind of throughput, and and that's part of why we became friends. God, twenty plus years ago. Yeah, yeah. And um, and have remained friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is weird because when we were making, we made a film together called Nothing to Declare, which is available online. Is it? Oh, probably still. I don't know. Um, We made a film because we had done a play that um, Jim was directing when we were at. Channel 5, and we just like went on, did, did a play, acted in. So, we, well, I have acted in the West End. That's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, since it's <laughs> in Zoho, yeah. It's like two, <laughs> two doors down from Channel 5. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we were talking to somebody about what's next. So we were going, oh, probably a feature film. And he said, yeah, anyone could do a feature film. What you need to do is to try and distill it down to 10 minutes. So that was the challenge. So that's when we set about making Nothing to Declare, which ended up being 10 minutes long. Um, and at that time, one of my kids came with me, and he's like four, I yeah. think. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, his his voice at, right at the end of the <laughs> sequence goes, "Can we go home now, please?" And so, and now, and now he's thirty. So oh. that's, that's, how <laughs> that's long a few that years ago. We know. <laughs> yeah. Most listeners will have heard of a logical fallacy, um, mm. but can you just summarise it and what it actually is, please? Well, in the introduction to the show. Um, where I, I'm the one that, that says a logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that leads to bad or invalid arguments. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's either a deliberate act on the part of the arguer, or it's um, uh, you know we've always had those heated arguments where you just reach for yeah, but what about you <laughs> kind of thing? And yeah, it can be a way where you're you're just trying to come up with a way to back up something you've said or a claim you've made and and it's not based on uh, good logic or you're not backing yeah. it up in a way that is actually a really um, a reliable way of yeah. deciding whether that is true or not. And yeah, as Mark said, it can be uh, deliberate, can be something that people kind of do to try and convince people when really they might know that their argument isn't very strong. Um, yeah. But often it can be something that, I mean, we all do it essentially. We're, it, it's just part of something that is, our cognitive makeup, we have biases that are really hard to overcome, even when you know about them, that you, um, for example, think that, um, you know, certain things are more likely to happen if you if you roll a dice and you get, 
several ones in a row, you think, well, the next one can't be a one because yeah. that's or happened the, multiple times. But actually, the next it's, one must be a one. Yeah, either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But but whereas it's completely random, and the, and yes. those those modes of thinking, those kind of heuristics that that we just snap into as a as a quick way of understanding the world yeah. lead us down bad reasoning paths, essentially. Yeah. So there's assumptions involved as well. Yeah. So, I mean, what about the history? When, when did we first become aware of logical fallacies as a sort of society? About uh, 2,300-ish years ago, Aristotle wrote a piece called Sophistical Refutations where he kind of, for the first time, named a set of logical fallacies. Yeah. It was about 12 or 13, depending on uh, which version you look at. But, um, yeah, those were the first ones that were kind of codified. And ever since then, really students of logic and thinking have been looking at ways that people tend to phrase arguments and ways that people back up their claims and um, naming common types which uh, end up leading to bad bad reasoning and bad arguments. And, I mean, it's even now, we identify them from time mm. to time. We have yeah. uh, kind of every 11 episodes, yeah. we do a thing where we... <laughs> identify a new one essentially give it a name and say look here's here's a thing we don't think it's in any of the lists that you'll tend yeah. to find online of fallacies mm. but it is a common We've mistake that people make yeah, and yeah, and yeah. this is some examples of it that's yeah. interesting actually because you you know you've got was it 130 episodes 150 episodes? 120 we just did 125 okay 125 um, yeah. episodes and, and obviously the um sort of uh, the classics would say there was there was 12 or 13 of them um and now it's got to that and you're and you're still finding them yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, I think so I just put- I think I identified a new one just the other day, which I'm oh, excited oh, right. to do oh, okay. uh, no, in in a few episodes time. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, we we ended up with this tradition that every every eleventh episode, <laughs> Jim identifies a new one. Um, so it's quite a good discipline. I've no idea why that tradition we didn't <laughs> yeah. do it for the eleventh, did we? No, no. It was just no. it. Oh, it happened that I started kind of identifying new ones and thought, oh, well, right. let's do that one here. Yeah. And then, and then it just Cognitive like, we've, we've done a few, what they are. Yeah. Yes, we've done a few right. and they just happen to kind of fall on the 11, the multiples of yeah. 11. And I thought, well, let's, let's keep doing that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. not? And, and what, make, what makes you guys so interested in them? Uh, yeah, hard to yeah. say, really. I think it's, yeah. well, Mark did philosophy at uni. I did psychology yeah. and, yeah. and it's kind of both ways of thinking about thinking essentially. Yes. Yes. And, it's yeah. It's just something I've always found fascinating how people fool themselves and why they believe certain things, mm. and and how, and how they're fooled by other people and and yeah. kind of deliberately or or by accident. And yeah. um, so it's something that I took an interest in and um, thought I it would be an interesting thing to write about. Um, yes. Yeah. But I looked around and saw that actually there was a few books that detailed a lot of logical fallacies probably did it a lot better than I could and in a more cohesive way and it and then so I kind of gave up the idea of actually writing something about it but then Trump came along yeah. and I thought ah this is quite interesting <laughs> as yeah, an angle because it's a new way of them, looking did yeah, you yeah. spot him doing yeah them, committing the fallacies or or uh, yeah utilizing very the much so yeah right. I, there were several things he he said was like well that doesn't make any sense that doesn't yeah. lead to the conclusion that you've come to at all on that and yeah. so yeah it, it seemed like a, a 
topical and interesting way to to write about them. Mm. Yeah. And um, I know we've probably already answered this. I was going to ask how many logical fallacies are there, but uh, you know, you've, you're finding them all the time. So it, I suppose it's going to depend how, how long your program goes on for. Uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was uh, the difficult thing in figuring out how many there are is that there's quite a lot of overlap. You know, some of mm-hmm. some logical fallacies are actually really groups of fallacies and they, it's a way of describing a particular phraseology or way of thinking. Yeah. And and it, it, within that group, there might be kind of nine or 10 different ones. Yes. And um, and there's also overlap where a, a particular argument, you could make a case that it is one logical fallacy or a diff or an example of a completely different mm. one because yeah. because it's kind of an example of of just different mistakes that people make and um so we do we do discuss that in the show and, and like there'll be ones that come up where we're kind of saying okay this is a kind of a subset of this previous one that we talked about but it's different here's why it's here's why it's different and why you might classify these examples as this one and uh, but yeah that so that means it's it's more of a spectrum in some ways than it is really kind of distinct fallacies necessarily. They're just kind of given names to make it easier to talk about. Yeah. Really. yeah. Well, I guess actually it comes because they belong to a, where do they derive from? Well, you talked about cognitive biases and I guess they derive from those kind of things. You know, we align ourselves with these particular thought patterns. So there's a whole group of, under that subset of bias alignment, there's a whole group of behaviours which, and one of the ways that they get expressed is through the use of logical fallacies in arguments, so that they, whilst they uh, all belong to a certain area, it's quite fun teasing out the individual examples. So we, you yeah. know, we, we just we did last time we did the just because fallacy, and oh, this yes, time we that. can't. We almost did a because I said so fallacy, <laughs> and they're yeah. kind of similar. Um, and so that's quite nice to to identify that and and talk about the overlaps, but yet find distinct examples. Equally, yes. it's quite fun to suddenly realize oh michael gove saying that is an example of three fallacies (laughs) right which will turn up every now and then yeah jim will say yeah next time we have have used the same clip for a few different ones for michael gove yeah just just on on that subject and and we're we're obviously talking subjectively about uh, logical fallacies we haven't really sort of got into detail of them i'm going to go into the detail a bit later on but just just so um we keep listeners interested um can we just mention that one just because? So we're going to mm-hmm. let us, you know, just tell us a bit about just because, because that's a great example of a, of a logical fallacy, I think. And then we'll go into a bit more subjective stuff and then we'll talk about some of these fallacies in detail, if that's okay. Yeah, so just because is really where people um, are unwilling to give a reason for their argument or the or, or evidence for their claim. Yeah. Um, and it might, there's, there's multiple reasons that that might be. It might be that it's just a kind of a, a thing that they're not comfortable talking about, or it might be something that they don't actually really have a reason. And so if they say, well, it just, it's just because it's, and it's kind of the, the thing that harried parents tend to resort yeah. to yeah. when they're, when their kids are constantly asking why or, or asking, yeah. you know, what, what the reason is that they have to actually do a thing or they've been told to do something. It's like, Oh, just because, just because I said so. And because, because it's, I said so. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's and also so, in that way, it's a, it's a, a thought terminating cliche as well, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's it's, not, yeah. it shuts down the argument because you, you're not, 
you're indicating that you're not prepared to provide any more uh, justification for the position that you're holding in the argument, and you and you just say, "Well, it's just because." So I'm going to brook no more questions. <laughs> You're just going to have to do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And there's also, as we were talking about, kind of overlaps. There's yeah. a bit of an argument to authority there because mm. yeah. it's you are expecting the person to accept your argument based on usually who you are, because because it's a person who is in some authority, whether it's a parent or, a, or just an older figure or someone uh, like the president, for example, yeah. um, yes. who, who gets to Both say, those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, who gets to say, just, you know, you accept what I'm saying because, yeah, just because, um, and, and what they're really saying is because of, because I have authority over you and I expect you to do what yeah. I say. Yeah. yeah. And the, yeah. and the, and of course my go-to, um, straw man no he just looks like one Boris Johnson does a similar thing he 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 gets even more frustrated about that position than Trump does I think because he his entire life he thinks he's got the the moral high ground or the the you know the by god and my right he just ha- he just ought to be listened to and so gets really angry which is a delight to watch when people ask him questions beyond and he will try and shut it down almost with a just because yeah he tries he implies it's because i was prime minister i was educated eden i'm 10 times smarter than you are i just pretend that but he isn't so and he will pretend um to be calm about that but he gets really very angry and he wants to shout just because, yes. just because I said so. Yeah, yeah, and, and I noticed he, him. Yeah, and he and he also sort of says, as most of the British people would agree, that type of thing. Yes, thing, yeah, it? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's also a kind of appeal to the to the pop. Uh, oh, it's uh, another one. Yeah, popular. Popular. Yeah. Popular. Yeah. 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 yeah, which is an appeal to the people. So yes, he he. Um, yes, well, as we talk about the the our latest episode, they are. All the people in the Tory party are very in the arguments about the Partygate scandal. The whole thing is that they hold themselves to, to different standards because they are privileged people. That's fundamentally what they believe, I mm. think. Mm. Um, Boris certainly, and yet they won't say it. Um, be- yeah. because they if they said that, that would let the cat out of the bag. Yes. So, what they do is divert that with the British people. Yeah. And you know, and, and and the of course that in itself is a flawed argument because it, which bit of the British people are you talking about? The eaten, educated, privately funded, you know, so those those people, or there aren't many of those. Trouble is, they're all in power. That's yeah. So there are the, the, uh, illogical statements that they all make, and we point them out, and that's yes. where the 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 meat of the show comes from yeah and I, and I think the humor brings it alive and i think it certainly from my point of view it makes it a lot easier to understand um but on a serious note why 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 do you think we should be aware of logical fallacies i think it's very easy to be taken in by um by bad arguments and convinced of things which can lead to for example brexit yeah <laughs> stuff like that yeah January the you know, but yeah bad things happen can happen because people are convinced uh by nefarious actors of things that aren't true 
Um, and, and it's easier to convince people of things that aren't true if you do understand this, this kind of thinking and, and are prepared to employ those methods. Um, and hopefully by being a bit more educated about those ways of thinking and spotting that, that kind of argument when it comes along, it, it insulates you a bit and makes you slightly less likely to be influenced by, um, by that kind of thinking. And it, and it also hopefully slows down the untruth because there's that yeah. phrase that, you know, the lie is halfway around the world before the truth got his trousers on. So it's, it's that if you can spot the logical fallacies being used, then the lie can't get past you. Um, so it, it doesn't perpetuate and proliferate. Yeah. That's an in- interesting one, isn't it? Because you sort of, uh, you point a thing out there. We do, it's quite important. We do get to, understand when somebody's coming at you with a, with a logical fallacy and and it sort of brings to, m- to my mind education mm-hmm. um i mean they, they did have in the past the trivium education method didn't they where mm-hmm. it was sort of logical uh, reasoning and um rhetoric um mm. and i guess at that time you know the ancient greeks had that type of education yeah yeah i guess if you do that you're, you're actually trained from a young age to be able to see any errors of reasoning how what would you say about that i think it's a fantastic thing and in fact uh it I don't know how widespread it is, but certainly my kids have done critical thinking lessons at school, at secondary school. Um, And I mean, we never did anything like that. I thought Mm. that would have been brilliant. I would have loved that. Yes. But but yeah, the fact that they can kind of come home and say, oh yeah, we took, we learned about this today. And and like, it's just ways of things like looking at newspaper articles and considering the source, considering, uh, you know, whether the evidence that is presented in the article actually um, leads to the conclusion that the article might make or, um, you know, looking at what the motivations might be of the people who are making the claims, that kind of thing. And it really, really useful stuff um, to to be more media literate and to, to try and avoid being led down the wrong path by, by things that's, you might read. That's amazing because I, I did uh, edit a film <coughs> together which was a, uh, a bid for a fund in the U.S., to fund education, um, uh, well, to fund lessons in education establishments in the wake of the fake news mm-hmm. proliferation. So, so to do exactly that, um, you know, to teach people critical thinking, to teach people to not see things on face value. And I also was uh, involved with doing some uh, kind of social media comedy shorts in Sierra Leone for the elections there to stop people just mashing the share button because they've been stirred up by, you know, the red mist has descended by somebody sending unsubstantiated stuff around because they know that it will raise the hackles of those people that receive it and then they will mash the share button and send it on and consequently not not vote for the person that the – well, it, it, it affects its libel, isn't it? The, uh, <laughs> yeah. the libel is being said about because you're so angry about it that it appeals to those uh, base emotions rather than logic. You know, we all kind of – we all laugh in the face of Mr. Spock and how he can't actually – 
get the game and all that kind of stuff. No, (laughs) 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 yeah, but they do that. That's you know, at the end of the show, the original series, there's the laugh on the bridge. Yeah, yeah, he's the butt of many jokes, unfortunately, because I always felt very victimized by that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, but that's because you've got pointy ears as well. It's nothing to do with the logic bit, but yeah, but that so that you know, that he was able to detach himself from emotion. Yeah, until he wasn't, um, which is useful for Jeopardy reasons. Um, he was able to seize the logic that was going on or yeah. be, being mangled in the process and point that out. And to have that stuff, uh, well, certainly in Sierra Leone, out on social media competing with the emotional, the emotion-raising stuff uh, was quite effective. I mean, whilst they don't claim to have... Um, solved the problem. It was what that particular election was one of the most peaceful they'd had in Sierra Leone. You know, fewer people died that time round. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a good metric. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And, yeah. And, and you contributed to that. Um, yeah, well, yes, I worked with uh, the social media yeah. uh, content producers kind of mentoring them on how to actually really in a way it was kind of how to inject comedy in because if people are laughing rather than being angry yeah they will also you can dip you can employ it's another emotion that people yes, makes exactly. people share co- yeah. yes your cognitive you're employing a cognitive bias so yes. if people are laughing um at the jokes that you're sharing with them then the message sneaks in underneath and we you know we've been doing that for, oh, that's what we've been doing. Yeah, that's, I finally worked it out the other yeah, day. Yeah. Yes, that's what we've been doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, you mentioned there about social media. I mean, my, my thoughts would be that probably Twitter is one of the worst. Uh, and, well, let's put it another way. Now is a time in, in our sort of history where um, logical fallacies can thrive, I would suggest, with social media. What would you say to that? I think it's, uh, as I say, emotion is what makes people share. It's not really factual content generally that people share stories of on Facebook or Twitter or things like that. It is, it's when a story makes you feel, uh, sad or happy or angry or whatever. And angry seems to be the easiest thing to make people, uh, in various ways. Certainly it's, that seems to be the tactic that some on the right have chosen is, is make people angry and then you'll get likes, you'll get views, people will share your stuff. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I think it is a bad thing for that, but there's also lots of benefits to social media um, in terms of connecting communities that have historically been very isolated and and individuals who might be in, in areas where they aren't actually able to express themselves truly and be who they are because of the environment they live in, whether the local laws or just the kind of the people that live near them, that kind of thing can find that community online, which is incredibly valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and do you think we all use logical fallacy to some degree, either knowingly or unknowingly? Definitely. I I will be absolute about that. Yeah. 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 Well, we do it. Definitely. I notice it because I mean, I'm tuned to it, but yeah, well, I sometimes will say something. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's that's actually not a good argument, or I haven't, yeah. you know, made yeah. that convincingly. And with, with the knowledge that you guys have accumulated, um, do you ever think to yourself, actually, this is a good time for me to use one for my own benefit, or, or whatever? <laughs> <Do you> ever- <laughs> 
I haven't done that yet. I haven't no. done that. No. <laughs> oh, that's a yeah. thought. Yeah, yeah, but I have. Well, in a way, I've noticed that if if I'm having an argument, which you know one does when, without being able to, to um, put too far upon it, I find that part of the it's terrible, really part of the. A set of tools in the in the arsenal of arguing is not only to deploy probably logical fallacies without thinking about them, but also to spot them being used by the other arguer, and to and to call them out. Oh, you actually then, call them innate. You name it, the fallacy. Then it becomes. <laughs> then it becomes. Which is which is people don't worse. like that. It's yeah. Terrible. No, it's very. It's <laughs> it, it's not a great way if you do educate yourself about fallacies it's not yeah. a great way to to be no, where, where to someone use it as an aggressive yeah, if, thing yeah if you just yeah. go oh you're that you've just used a straw man it's yeah. it's better to kind of help that person to understand why the argument they made isn't convincing yes yeah um and say look kind of if we looked at it this way and gave another example of a of that kind of way of thinking yeah. Uh, and yeah. say, look, the, you know, th- this wouldn't convince you. So that's kind of similar to what you were doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but it's, it's really obviously, you know, there are times when that is hard because you're emotionally you're involved. In the emo- in yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're caught up in the emotion. And that's, yeah. that's the thing is, I mean, it's a very, uh, that's why it's quite an appealing thing and a, and a very, um, uh, it feels, a, a, a kind of an intelligent thing to do rather than just to to rely on your brute strength or your shouty voice or your red face <laughs> to uh, to actually participate in an intellectual process and talk about what's going on in the argument rather than have the argument and in that way it it does seem to disperse it in in doing this podcast we've been exposed to and become part of i guess the critical thinking community um and last year we went to their kind of uh, annual conference the qed conference and it's full of people who um do lots of podcasts or or they are interested in these kind of basically critical thinking so yeah um, yeah science skepticism atheism yeah. uh, all kinds of critical thinking and and ways of of trying to be better at working things out logically and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. And they are the, the calmest, most approachable and uh, friendly people. And I think as a result of using critical thinking, the discipline of it, it yeah. does, it does um, allow you to detach yourself from just falling for being angry and retweeting something. Yes. Or, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it, I would they, say they must one be of the, one of the. Sorry. Go on. No, I was going to say they, they must be the most considered bunch of people. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting. It's, it's hard to, to to kind of get something past them. Obviously, I mean, not that we particularly yeah. try, but there was a yeah. couple of years ago we went to one and there was a, a magician there, and and yeah, like yeah, for yeah. a magician, that's yeah. a really hard room because yeah, everyone yes. is. Yes. Thinking, oh, how's he doing? How's he doing? Looking, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Everybody's skeptical. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yes, yeah. quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for for listeners who um, they've heard of logical fallacies and etc. As I say, in a minute we'll get into them. But how e- how easy it is it to spot a logical fallacy? Do, do you get a bit of a gut? Should people get a bit of a gut feeling? Do you think if somebody's coming at them with an argument, they think, "Hang on a minute, there's something wrong there." One thing I would say is I think it's it's probably easier 
when you're listening to an argument you already disagree with. Because <laughs> right. that's one of our cognitive biases is yeah. Yeah. You, you tend to be more critical of arguments that you already think are wrong. Yeah. And, and you will be more careful to look at, well, why? Uh, this is already wrong. Why is it wrong? Whereas actually it's really important as a good critical thinker to evaluate arguments that you already agree with in the same kind of way and actually think, well, is, uh, am I relying on uh, this being true because I already, because I want to believe it or because I already think it's probably true? Or, or is this actually a good argument that is convincing? Mm. Yes. Um, and that's true in evaluating your own arguments as well. If you, if you are making a claim, providing evidence for that claim, um, looking at that evidence and, and thinking, well, is, it, is that convincing evidence? Is it, is it, does it follow directly from the premises to the conclusion? And would it convince anyone? Or is it just that I, I think it makes sense? Feels right to me. Yeah, feels, that kind of feels thing. right. I yeah, agree yeah. the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that. So yes. So in answer to your question, how easy is it? It's quite difficult to yeah. spot it in your own arguments. I think, um, unless you know you're deliberately doing it because you work for a public relations firm for a political party, <laughs> um, then then you're fully aware that this can make people angry. So we'll just do that. Yeah. And you know, if you're if you do that and you're on the left wing of British politics, people complain um, and say, "Oh, you're just doing what the right does," without complaining when the right does it. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But the uh, so it is in really quite difficult. I think. I think, as Jim says, it's dead easy to spot it in the the opponent in your or the person taking up the opposite position to yeah. you in an argument it's dead easy to spot it because you're determined to find fault as it were um and of course if you can spot uh, a logical inconsistency then that doesn't make it the person's fault it just uh, the difficult the thing then is to um talk to them in such a way as they would understand that what they've done is a is an illogical step because in the heat of an argument nobody wants to hear that kind of stuff no so um, and you alluded and think, to that earlier when you when you sort of said oh that's a straw man you wouldn't necessarily come at them you, you would <laughs> yeah, yeah. do what you just <laughs> said yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i think the yeah. one thing is um educating yourself about them you know, yeah. the more the more you learn about them, the more the more you are likely to spot them in argument. Mm -hmm. yeah. One yeah. thing I find there's a there's a, a psychological phenomenon called the Bader Meinhof effect, which is that when you sorry Bader Meinhof the Bader Meinhof yeah, yeah it's yeah. named yeah. after them and oh, yeah. uh, when you um, when you hear a new phrase or something, you suddenly start hearing that phrase all over the place and think, well, yes. why have I never heard of that before? And mm, yeah. and it's weird. It's like for the next few days, it's just everywhere suddenly, and um, and that's just something that our brains become attuned to something that we found interesting or, or that we've just, we feel like we've just learned. And then you suddenly start spotting it. Um, when you get a new red car, suddenly you're, everyone's got red cars. Got red it's car. like, yeah. yeah. So I think Kate um, Bush did a song about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and yeah. so, yeah, what, what I find is when we do an episode about a specific fallacy, yeah, I, I'll then start seeing examples of that fallacy <laughs> after the, like the next oh, couple really? of weeks. I'm like, really? oh, there's there yeah. it is again. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. 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 So I wonder whether that's that that strange phenomena to quote her song title that uh, there was a, an argument 
in the in the woo the wooosphere <laughs> that the day after the answers are published to the previous day's Sudoku or um, or you know whatever the thing is on the the thing that used to be like the mastermind game, but you do it with words online. That thing, oh, when, yeah. Um, well, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. So yeah. when the when the when the answer's published, suddenly it's easier, even if you haven't tackled it. Yes, yes, yes. The, the answer's out there. So perhaps actually, what we're doing in the two uh, two kind of st- steal what the woo argument. In fact, if what, if what we're doing is adding to the sum knowledge of the world, then possibly um, that's why we're finding them. We're not. We they aren't. They're just out there, but they've just been revealed because we're, you know, yeah. as you say, yeah. the world's leading experts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, we haven't got time to go into every logical fallacy, but can you just please elaborate on and give some examples of them in use? So uh, one example is uh, anecdotal evidence. People often use anecdotal evidence to bolster their, the claims that they make because it feels like really strong evidence because it's something that's happened to you or something that's happened to someone you know. And so you, it's more convincing than, yeah. than data that you might read. And there's a kind of trope that uh, the plural of anecdote is not data, but it really depends how big that plural is. If there's lots and lots of anecdotes uh, in a carefully controlled, random, randomly controlled blinded trial, that's data. They're all just individual cases. But each one of those people is is likely to feel that their individual experience gives more weight to anything they might tell people about what they've been through. So I've got an example from Trump, and this is when he was talking about hydroxychloroquine uh, and its use for for COVID. Yeah. Many people are using it all over the country. And just recently, uh, uh, a friend of mine told me he got better because of the use of that that drug. So who knows? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is that COVID is something that, while it can be really bad for some people, many people just get over it. And it just, you know, might take a week, might take a little longer. It's, it's very, very variable. So any individual person taking any thing that might help it and then getting better might feel to them like that thing helped but it doesn't necessarily mean that it helped. And when they've done trials on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and various other things that people claimed might help, they found actually they didn't really do anything. And in some cases, they actually made it worse. So, Like, like bleach. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah. Trump arguing that, you know, a friend of his took it and got better is not a great thing for the president to be saying because a lot of people listen to yeah. what he says. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that. So not only might it not be true that take the taking of the hydroxychloroquine caused your getting better, it's probably not true that a friend of his told him that. Well, then no, that's probably yeah. not true. No, yeah. it's so. a thing we have to talk about very frequently. Is is <laughs> a thing thing we'll say is even if this was true, it's bad uh, reasoning. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah, yeah. certainly not true because he says yeah. so many things that are that verifiably <laughs> false. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, we. But often we'll kind of, for the sake of the argument, we'll assume that it was true for a moment, and then explain yeah. why the reasoning is bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other butt of our jokes is often 
Well, I guess it's because you know, the whole premise of the thing was set up because Trump was coming up with, with the use of these um, logical fallacies. So uh, where better to go than Trump light, of which at the time was Boris Johnson. And he's, so this, this, and there's a clip here where he's talking, he, we talked about the straw, I think it was episode two, the yeah. straw man fallacy, which yeah. is if somebody makes a strong case against you, then you can simply pretend that they've made a different argument. You make a straw man out of their of, of their argument. You pretend that they have said that, and then you then you can smash the straw man down without any problem because he's made of straw. Um, there are versions called Steel Man and Steel Bot and all that, which are all sort of based on this idea. Um, and so we basically you can massively oversimplify what they said or so, so, right so you you argument. make you make up an argument they said is that is that what you said yeah you make right. up what they said you yeah. you you the idea basically is to is to make an argument that sounds kind of quite like what they said that could be in a way that is able to be yeah. down by you more easily yeah. yeah so the example we had so this is pre brexit so i think this is yes is definitely so this is like five tory leaders ago <laughs> so this is boris when he's on this is also um several good morning britain presenters ago so this is on uh, good morning britain and he's talking to holly willoughby about the reason we should go out of the eu is because there's all these rules about bananas how many directives do you think there are from the European Union on bananas? There are four. Do we need them? Do we need to be told that you cannot have, you know, abnormal curvature of your bananas? So, because the, the, the thing is that that isn't the argument. And and Holly Willoughby, that well-known intellectual <laughs> um, and uh, logician, actually points out that the, the so Boris is as well as this and Kippers. Um, he would be going around. It's always about the fish. He would go around typifying the EU's stance on things in ways that he wanted them to be, and yeah. fundamentally make people angry about it. In the and I think the underlying purpose of the entirety of the Brexit campaign was to pretend that the EU had taken something away from you. And that these people, Boris, would get that back. So we would take back control. We would take back our borders. We would take back our sovereignty. Our abnormally curved bananas. Our ab yeah. we would take I mean, back that, and that's the thing: that the bananas. That the yes, the EU has rules about curvature of bananas, yep. but yep. not rules that say you can't you can't have, have them. Bananas. But oh, rules yeah. that say that if they're like. If they're the kind of bananas that you wouldn't want to to buy in a shop, like humans wouldn't look at and think, oh, yeah, that looks lovely, then those are classed in a different way. And they're usually then, because of that class, sold for different purposes, like animal feed and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so it's just about how they're, um, how they're priced and how they're classed, not about whether you're actually allowed to have them or how curvy your bananas are allowed to be. Yeah. But that makes it sound like... The, the EU are, are being too draconian yes. and yes. giving yes. us rules we don't want. Out of the EU in order to, to be able to eat bent bananas. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of you know that's so, not yeah, one so, of the messages I recall people saying we want no. to eat bent bananas. <laughs> so yeah. the straw man and, and that particular example is is where 
he's making them look so stupid that anybody yeah. sees yeah. it like that, think, oh, yeah, it's stupid. We, yeah. we, we, we should, vote we should out. definitely vote against yeah. that. Yeah, yeah we should definitely yeah. that. Yeah, and it's not true. There are four directives in the EU, but they are not prohibiting you from selling bananas. They're just saying if uh, you can't sell them, then you you could do this with them. There there are instructions for suppliers as to where to yeah. Essentially, it helps supermarkets yeah. to know that they're getting a particular quality of food if they're buying a specific class of of produce. Essentially, yeah, they're not going to get yeah. small a, small bent green ones yeah. if they're buying class A bananas. But if you yeah, misrepresent yeah. it as a kind of as this draconian rule, then it's an easier thing to use in in evidence yeah. that. Yes. Your argument to leave the EU is a good one. Whereas and, they just- and the hilarious thing is, when we talked earlier about how do you counter these things, so Holly Willoughby, of all people, just says, yeah, but though they, it doesn't say that in them anywhere. And he and, and Boris says, oh, yes, it does. She said, no, it doesn't. And then just reads them out. Uh-huh. I said, mm-hmm. one's about this, one's about that, the other one's about that. There's None of them do that, do they? And Boris, right at the end of the interview, says, no. Really? So that's it. That's the way you counter it. You you well, you have really you you have in advance the, the specific yeah. knowledge. Yes. <laughs> that's, yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You just present the actual truth. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, 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 in a way that hopefully can't be disagreed with. Yeah. So what's so, next? Well, a final example is uh, one called the slippery slope, which is yeah. quite a common one. It's uh, one that is used often when laws are being made um, or like to to make things that some parts of society think are bad more available and they'll go oh well if this happens then the more bad things will happen inevitably and yeah. and the suggestion is that those you know this is just the beginning of a slope and and once we start our way down there'll be no stopping it um, and so, and as well as using political examples, so as well as using Trump and British politics, we also look at um, things that happen. We call them fallacies in the wild. There are things that happen in the worlds of entertainment and literature and wherever uh, popular culture that aren't necessarily politics. Yeah. Um, so that so we choose we find examples of which there are very very many. So sometimes they're used for comedic value. In, as is in the case of this one. When you have cable and can't find something good to watch, you get depressed. When you get depressed, you attend seminars. When you attend seminars, you feel like a winner. When you feel like a winner, you go to Vegas. When you go to Vegas, you lose everything. And when you lose everything, you sell your hair to a wig shop. Don't sell your hair to a wig shop. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. So that's a, a, a kind of extreme example, obviously, played for comedy. Um, but, but yeah, people make these kinds of arguments. When, um, when people suggest taking down statues of, mm. of people who are, with hindsight, seen to be not great people, the the argument from from the people who want to preserve that history and and don't mind that they might have owned slaves or done whatever they did um, is often well if you're taking down this statue you know what's to stop taking down statues of of Churchill and of of and and they continue down that slope of um, people until they get to someone that they that no one really would have any problem with at all. Yeah, and suggest Pennington that Bear. Yeah, yeah, and suggest yeah. that they're you know that's the inevitable end point 
of, yeah. of going down this road. So if you don't want to get there, we shouldn't do this thing that everyone's suggesting we do at the moment. And it's been used yeah. against things like gay marriage and stuff like that. People are saying, oh, if you, you know, if you allow gay marriage, what's to stop people marrying children or animals and that kind of stuff? And it, and what's to stop them is that no one is asking for that stuff. It's, They're just it, asking for this one step, yeah. not all the others. Yeah, yeah. that's quite a yeah. popular one. That you hear that all the time. I think. Yeah. Well, and the manic street preachers did it with yeah. your children right, this, will be next. Your children will be next. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Um, so where can people find out more about your podcast? The best place is on our website at fallaciousTrump.com. And yep. uh, that's got all our kind of socials and, and links to the episodes. Yeah. So we're on uh, Facebook and Twitter and are we on Instagram? We're on nope. YouTube. Not unless so you started you can... one and not told me. <laughs> uh, I, no, I may have. No, I haven't. <laughs> no. Um, so we're all over the socials. But yes, so you, if you just search fallacious trump yeah, um we'll be there put it out in the search engine it will pop up because our podcast is proliferated across many platforms have you ever thought about um turning this into a tv show uh well, i mean if the offer came i wouldn't say no but you it's could, not <laughs> no I, I just because yeah. of you know you, you could you could almost have you know guests on and they they would sort of you'd, you'd have to they'd have to spot them in other words you know and, yeah Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting yeah. thought. Yeah. So, is yeah. anybody listening out there who's in the? Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that feels like hard work. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jim and Mark, this has been a really interesting, enjoyable conversation. I think that the way you use humour to dissect logical fallacies and have some fun is a great way to remember them. I've learned a lot. My guests today have been Jim Cliff and Mark Levermore. Jim and Mark are co-hosts of the show Fallacious Trump, a link of which can be found on the show notes. Thank you for coming on the show, Jim and Mark. Thank you very much, Bob. Bob. Thank you very much. It's been very enjoyable. You have been listening to Undercurrent Stories. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I will be most grateful if you would please rate and review. To hear more episodes, please subscribe to the show and visit undercurrentstories.com. If you leave your email in the link, we will notify you as soon as new episodes are released. Also, check out our social media links, details of which can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best. 